space, final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're back looking at time travel stories. Um, and this time, as we promised last week, we're going back to the next generation. We're going to be looking at Time's Arrow Parts 1 and 2. So the finale of Season 5, the opening of Season 6. Uh, but before we do that, at time of recording, we've just had... Uh, I was going to say San Diego Comic Con, but it was Comic Con... Comic Con San Diego uh, Comic Con at home. At home this year. Yeah, and we got... We got a Trek panel with not a lot of news, but some news has come out since then, so we're gonna gonna sort of cover everything there. But first up was we got the confirmation that the Nickelodeon animated series is gonna be called Prodigy, which yeah. was pretty much known. Yeah, that was leaks leaked that being called Prodigy months ago. Yeah. We've all known it's gonna be called Prodigy and going to Nickelodeon. Yeah, so no great surprise, but at least we got the, the confirmation on it. We got little hints here and there about Strange New Worlds and... Well, well, uh, they announced that they've got um, the start of 10 stories, so that sort of uh, confirmed what we were hoping, that it's going to be episodic instead of a serial. Yeah, yes, they did, didn't they? They said they'd broken 10 stories, so yeah, yeah. it does, does very much sound that way. So that's... That, so, yeah... Like, that doesn't mean it's ten episodes. be quite a few two-parters in there. True, yeah. But we know there's going to be ten stories throughout the season. Yeah, so that's... I mean, that's what we were we were sort of hoping for it. So that's all... Yeah. All looking very, very positive is um, Strange New Worlds. There seems to be a lot of enthusiasm for it. Um, less so yeah. for Section 31, which wasn't mentioned at all. Yeah, I think Section 31 has gone by the wayside and we've got Strange New Worlds instead. That, yeah, and I get the feeling that that's the case. Either that uh, or... There's been, a lot, there's been a lot of fans wanted Strange New Worlds as soon as we saw Pike in that role. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were, we were sold, we wanted it. And there isn't that fan thing for the Section 31. No. I, thought the, I think the thought would be a big thing for the 31. Yeah, it's... Um... It's an interesting one. So, I mean, Michelle Yeoh's great and everything, but, yeah, I think we're happy for her to have a supporting role in Discovery, and if if you had to choose between the two shows, Strange New Worlds is the one we want sooner, so... Yeah, and it, definitely. The only thing I do wonder about is, perhaps because um, Giorgio's still in the cast of Discovery... You know, maybe it'd be giving away spoilers if they told us anything else about what they're planning for Section 31 at the moment, so... Yeah, possibly. Like, it's maybe been put back a couple of years. It's maybe still in the... They might do it when Discovery's run fi finishes. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering, but I'm sure we'll we'll hear more in the future. And what, yeah. we're, what we're all hoping for at Comic-Con was the reveal of the release date of Discovery, which we didn't get. Uh, but it did come out a couple of days later, and we're looking at middle of October, so basically we've got 23 weeks of Star Trek coming up, starting with Lower Decks next week, and then taking us all the way through to the first couple of weeks of 2021. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. 
Yeah, so we, was it, um, October the 15th in America, Yeah. October the 16th in the, in the rest of the world. Yeah. And it depends on time delay Netflix do between it. Because yeah. we've seen the 24-hour time delays are meaning, aren't meaning a lot, they're getting them out a lot quicker. No, they tend to drop on at midnight UK well, time. Well, Amazon Amazon, sorry, do. Yeah. Netflix was sort of like 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you're right. Um, so remains to well, be seen. That, this is UK time. <laughs> yeah, but we'll be we'll be covering the episodes of both shows. Um, the episode before the next ep- the next show airs, if that makes sense. So when you watch your episode of Lower Decks or Discovery, the next episode of us that you hear will be us talking about that, and that'll be yeah. before you see the next episode. So that's the way we're planning it. That's what yeah. we're going to try and stick to. Yeah, the disappointing one was we didn't get a international distribution. No. For Lower Decks, which is, and I don't think there's going to be one until we get, cause until we get the uh, new CBS Viacom international streaming service, and I think it's going to go straight to there. Yeah. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if all future new Star Trek shows go straight to this new streaming service. Yeah, I mean, it would it would make sense because they're the the Star Trek shows are the big selling point for CBS All Access in America. Yeah. And well, like CBS Viacom, like people hear Viacom, but I don't think people realise what Viacom actually owns. No, no, it's... it's... And, and this new streaming service, I was reading, I was looking it up on the internet to see if I could find any release dates or when you expect it to launch. And it's all the Paramount Mount movies. Sounds so right. the three thousand plus movies that are currently leased to Netflix and Amazon would go on to it. Mm-hmm. They have Showtime, which is one of the big uh, streaming oh, yes, services. Yes, uh, Comedy Central, right, is Viacom. MTV is Viacom. Um, what's the other big? Nickelodeon is Viacom. Yeah, and then all the CBS stuff. Hmm. So yeah, Where? if they're if they're able, it's obviously we we experienced this in the UK with the launch of Disney Plus was delayed because a lot of the stuff was licensed out and they had to wait for it to uh, to licenses go. to end. And... Yeah. So potentially, if this CBS Viacom uh, service, whatever they decide to call it, if they're able to call in all their licenses, that could be a, a very exciting prospect. Yeah. Oh, and it's also, um, I don't know how many people watch it, because it's mainly reruns at the moment. But also, on Amazon, if you look at uh, one of the free services, it's Pluto TV. Oh, yeah. And that's also Viacom. Right, okay. So, but, yeah, we could be looking at a, a serious sort of contender in the streaming wars if they uh, if they manage to get the, all that together. If they together. pull all the, everything they've got together, do you reckon they're going to be at least the third biggest streaming service internationally. Wow. Well, yeah, and that that would be pretty pretty cool if they managed to get, you know, obviously Picard and Discovery are licensed out at the moment, but you don't know for how many seasons they've got exclusivity on that. So, yeah. Yeah, be I won't mind one service with all of Star Trek, all of the movies, all of everything, plus everything else that you get from CBS All Access. And um, yeah, yeah. It, it could be very tasty if they they put that together. Yeah, but, it, like reading about what the what comes under the banner, it looks like it could be 
something that's worth doing. You're not going to be just limited content. No, and yeah, I mean, I'd be. It sounds like it could be a good idea, and it. I take your point that that could be what they're doing is trying to hold back their big shows. Um, yeah, i.e. your Star Trek shows, which are going to be your big draws and have them premiere on it. The annoying thing about it is that we are not going to, well, unless some announcement is made over the next week, uh, we're not necessarily getting straight, um, not Strange New Worlds, um, Lower Decks immediately over here. But we'll, we'll keep you updated and we will be yeah. covering the show. Um, but for this week, then, we're going to take a look back at Next Generation Times Arrow. Uh, before we dig into the episode, though, Elliot, you said last week that you remembered this fondly and you were hoping it'd hold up. How did it hold up then? Um, I've I've enjoyed I've I've watched it um, three times this week. Oh, there we go. Then. So it must have been all right. <laughs> so, uh, as recording, I've literally just finished watching it again. <laughs> so I've actually quite it. It has held up. It was. I it's think a it fun has. Episode. Yeah, it's, I uh, think it's really good. It's a good episode, and it's. It's one of those episodes of Star Trek that even if you were a massive follower of Star Trek, you could sit down and enjoy this as a as a one-off TV movie. Oh yeah, definitely, and it, it's which, which I think is when you can do that, that you've got a good episode. Yeah, and it's it's one of the few next gen two parters where both parts of it are strong. It this one yeah. it feels to me like they actually planned this one out when they wrote part yeah, it, one. Yeah, it feels like they wrote the full story at once. <laughs> yeah, which is rare for the end of season cliffhangers. And it really shows because it does hold together really, really well. It's nicely structured, everything ties in. And yeah, it's I think it's a really strong episode. So let's take a look at it then. Um we start off one of the very few occasions that the Enterprise gets called back to Earth in the next generation. Yeah, a priority mission. Yeah, and it's uh, we find out that there's evidence of aliens in the past. Yeah, and like don't like don't you think this whole thing is a bit very strange? How the archaeologist is like they're called back, mm. like presence uh, of aliens, and then they take it to an archaeological site. So there's Picard and Data going around and he's showing them this and he's showing them that. And Picard goes, right, so, okay, but surely there's better experts. And he yeah. goes, yes, but I've got this last thing to show you. Yeah. Data's head and it's sort of like, wouldn't that have been the first thing you'd yeah, tell you'd them? Yeah, you think you'd have led with that. And what, what <laughs> conversations has Picard had with Starfleet? Like, you know, we need you to come back because there's this alien thing. All right, well... Why else then? Oh, I can't tell you that. There's this geezer down the mine who's going to tell you that. But like, only after he's shown you a watching. Uh... Yeah, he's going to show you this other stuff. But it's, yeah, it's a good reveal for the, the end of the teaser. But yeah, it doesn't stand up to scrutiny. It makes yeah, absolutely yeah. zero sense. Like if it's Picard, you'd give him a slap. It's like, you fucking twit. Why didn't you tell yeah, me that it's... straight away? Yeah, like... Oh, you've got me, me second officer's head down here, and you you didn't think to mention it off the bat, no? And he doesn't, like, Starfleet don't give him a briefing, it's just this geezer yeah. down here who gives him it. Very, yeah, very strange, but it's a good yeah, image. It doesn't hold up to any sort of form of scrutiny, does it? No, but it's, it's a good image to finish on, is that it's Data's head. Yeah, it's a cliffhanger. And then, yeah, when we come back, there's some good... I like the sort of attention to detail, like... 
you get a call back to law. It's, well, could this be law's head, not your head? And, you know, it, in a lot of other episodes, they wouldn't have even bothered putting that in. But it's nice that they they acknowledge that, that there is yeah. another Soon-type android. I mean, as it turns out, it's not going to be the last time they find a disembodied head that looks no. like Data on but, the planet. But Data, like, but Data does go, Law has this memory, and yeah. I have this memory unit, and, or what, or something. Yeah, and there's a really weird sort of line delivery by Patrick Stewart in that bit. Like, he says... Um, well, Law's got a, a Type L chip. Uh, mine's Type R, and Picard goes Type R. Yeah. What? <laughs> What's that meant to mean? Like, does that mean something to you? But yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, we know it's not Law. It's got to be Data. We don't know yeah. that before at this point. So. And it's a different. It's a different model than the one where, that we saw in um, Data Law in season one for the right. head. Because this model is a lot more accurate to what Data actually yeah, looks true. like. That's true, yeah. They've got better at the head prosthetic effects yeah. over the, the five years in between, definitely. Yeah, uh, thankfully they didn't use the same prosthetic. No, it wasn't very good, that one, was it? But, you know, it was <laughs> early days, early days. And, yeah, so there's this is we get loads of good stuff around here about, basically, to all intents and purposes, Data's found out he's going to die. And because he's Data and he doesn't have emotions, his reaction to it is at odds with everyone else's reaction to it. And you get sort of everyone else processing grief and Data more or less being oblivious to it. Like, you you get... It's it's actually quite pleased about it because he tells Jordi, doesn't he? He explains. And I think that's quite nice how he goes, well... For all I knew, I'd go on forever and my friends would die. I'd make new friends and they'd die. And I'd have to see this and I'd just go on and on and on. But now I know that I have an ending. Yeah, and that actually ties into what they did in season one of Picard, where in that, Data's desire basically is to die properly. And he, he doesn't want his consciousness to remain going on. So it's a nice sort of tie-in there, you know, it, you wonder if when they were scripting those scenes in Picard, whether this popped into the head, this idea that Data's got that he wants uh, an ending to his life. Yeah, well, you told that any scriptwriter on Star Trek would have a more than familiarity. Oh, yeah, you would hope so. I mean, and from everything that we've heard about Michael Chabon, he does seem to be a big... A big fan and yeah. was mainly responsible for season one. So, yeah, nice nice scenes with Data. And then the way the rest of the crew reacts is interesting as well. Like, you've got Jordy says to Data, like, do you want to talk about it? And Data's like, well, no, but do you? And clearly that's what's going on. Jordy needs to talk about it because he is having an emotional yeah. reaction to it. And Riker's sort of it's almost like the stages of grief like Riker's just angry about it and Troy has to sort of... I thought it was nice how Diana explained how Data explains sees friends yes yeah yeah that's a really nice bit and yeah you become familiar to me my memory engrams <laughs> yeah and it's good when he sort of parrots it back to Data and then Data says oh I'm fond of you as well so <laughs> yeah yeah, really nice scenes with all all of the crew really interacting with each other. 
And yeah, I do remember the scene where Data actually says that to Deanna. Oh, but I yeah. can't remember how early on it is. No, I can't. Is it maybe to and do with I, I think Tasha it's quite early something? on when he says it. Yeah, is it like when he's talking about when Tasha dies, maybe, or yeah. something? Yeah, you're right. It rings a bell, definitely. Yeah, so it makes it makes a lot of sense that five years on, because he has been exploring trying how humanity is. Yeah, yeah. That, that he can now explain that as being fond of somebody. Not explain yeah, not that's saying a it good like point. that. You're right, yeah. Riker uses his language, but then Data brings it down to a more human level because he yeah. has evolved, yeah. And there's a bit of talk about cheating fate and everything, and we've had this in sort of time travel stories before, like, you know, how do we know that going down to the planet's what causes it, but maybe not letting you go down to the planet is what causes yeah. it. And uh, maybe it's maybe it's nothing even to do with this. It could be years and years well, in the future. It. Yeah. See, yeah, because at first it's like, oh no, we're going to keep Data on the ship, and it's like, well, you can't keep him on the ship forever, you know? It's, yeah. Um, and there's there's the bit with Guinan where Guinan she mentions she says something about full circle, and obviously we find out that's because she knows she was there, she knows what's going on. And uh, but it's not, I like it when they use Guinan well in stories. Yes, and she's used very well in this one. She is, yeah. And the, this is sort of one of the last big episodes, really, because she. Yeah. I think maybe she's in once or twice in the rest of season six and then not at all in season seven, I don't think. It's not till Generations that we see her again after that. I can't, I'm not sure. It's, yeah, it's very, very sparsely used after this. And so, yeah, they, they work out it's coming from this specific planet and they beam down there and it's quite spooky, really, the the planet and the, the way the aliens um sort of phasing between the time periods and and what they're doing is quite horrific like sort of basically sucking out people's energy and everything and yeah they've got this weird snake thing that data insists on calling an an, an ophidian it's an ophidian and then Riker starts saying ophidian as well it's like just say snake so we know what you're talking about (laughs) i thought they were on about like an alien species or something and yeah, it's not a word that you use often, Ophidian, but anyway. And yeah, so Data phases out, he sees the aliens and eventually he disappears. And this is where we actually go back to the past. And you start, the there's like this this beggar guy with this help out of 49er and he, he starts giving Data all this weird advice, like... You know, Data's asking for help and he starts just rattling off all these yeah. weird sort of things and everything. It's quite amusing. And he says he looks like a Frenchman. And so Data kind of adopts that, doesn't he, for the yeah, rest I'm of the French. episode. <laughs> as if that that explains everything. Yeah, that explains why he's silver and has yellow eyes. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know where the French thing's meant to have come from, but, but yeah. Although, like, to uh, be fair, on TV... He doesn't look as silver as he does in the movies. No, that's true. Yeah, they, they obviously using much better cameras in the movies, so they're picking up the colour more. Yeah, but and this is he finds out there's a poker game going on, and this is how he's going to make his money. And you've got Gul Cat playing poker. Yeah, out of makeup, so 
Yeah, an early. Well, he's been in. He's popped up in TNG before, hasn't he? Yeah, he played a Kardashian in TNG. He did, and uh, Romulan, I think, as well, back in yeah. the, the early ones. Yeah, he's so. played quite a few characters, if you look into it. But yeah, one of his rare appearances out of makeup. And yeah. He's one of them guys who's got such a distinctive voice that you'd recognise him regardless of yeah. how he's Yeah, he could it. have a paper bag over his head and you'd know it would be Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's some great stuff. Like obviously, Data clears them out at poker. Um, yeah. Now we've had this before, haven't we? In uh, which episode was it where they asked him when they were playing in on the ship, and they go, "I always wonder if he's cheating," and they go, "No." And it just makes you wonder how much did he cheat here to try completely clean them out to get some money. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, to be fair, I think he'd be justified in doing so if he's doing oh, yeah. it to, to help the, the timeline and everything. Especially when uh, the bellboy tells him that these are a couple of card sharks. Yeah, exactly. And Yeah, the bellboy, the, there's that bit where he's sort of hinting that he wants a tip and Data don't get it, so he's sort of, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I hear there's cholera of rife in yeah. San Francisco at the moment. Are you, are you well? Yeah. And he's he takes on this, well, I'm an inventor and that's why I'm getting all this weird stuff together. And Yeah. Which is always a good one. You know, it's a good... Uh, you know, Spock did that back in uh, City on the Edge of Forever and everything. It's a good cover for whatever it is that you're trying to be doing. It is. And then we see the aliens in action. They take out this the the beggar that we saw earlier on. And then it goes back to the Enterprise. And there's an interesting discussion here because they're talking about, you know, what are the aliens up to? What are they, you know, what's the plan and everything? And basically they say, right, well, what they're probably doing is they're going back in time um, to capture people. And Worf says, oh, like a guerrilla war. And it's like, well, it's almost like a temporal cold war, you know. Jeez. Not a million miles away from from what was going on then. And there's almost like a sinister bit, really, where Worf points out, yeah, we could have died back there as well, but our bodies would have decayed and gone. So, you know, we don't. it might not just be Data who dies if we go back down. Yeah. It could be everybody. And Picard... Yeah, that's a bit... Like, would you completely go to dust in that amount of time in a sealed cave? Yeah, I'm not sure, because... There'd the... be no residue at all? I wouldn't have thought so, and like... The... Like, with all... With the tricorders, like, you might be massively decomposed, but I think the tricorders would pick up some form of cellular remains of... Yeah, your DNA or something. Yeah. You would think. They'd pick up something, I think. Especially since it seems to be a really, a, a really sort of well preserved. Maybe it's just really airtight or something because the watch, yeah. the watch is practically brand new and the guns, practically, you know, they do not look like they've been there five years. Yeah, they don't years. look massively aged, do they? And obviously, Data's head works later on. So yeah, I think there'd have been some evidence, but it, it's quite a cool, sinister idea that they they could have died and not known it. Yeah. And Picard goes to see Guinan and she's very cryptic as Guinan is, you know, and it's you've got to go on this mission because if you don't we won't yeah. meet. Yeah. And I quite yeah. I quite like Well that. she call she calls him, don't she, does she call him to go see her? Yeah, she she calls him but then he comes down. 
and she says, oh, you shouldn't have made the trip right down here. So all he did were get in a turbo lift and say 10 forward. It wasn't, you know... Yeah, it wasn't like it was really difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not like he's travelled hundreds of miles. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so you get this almost like, uh, what do they call it, where it's not a fixed point in time, but uh, sort of a predestination paradox where it's yeah. like Picard's got to go. And they have this discussion again about, well, Starfleet don't let its captains beam down, and Picard says, oh, it's standard policy. And that always fluctuates in how they present that in TNG because at first, when he when he first speaks to Riker, he says, you didn't let your captain beam down as if that's unusual. And yeah, but then it, later on, he says... Like, it's my first officer's duty to protect the captain. Yeah, because later on, he says, oh, well, you know, one of the reasons I hired him was because he didn't let the captain beam down. And they make it out like it's this... It's something that's peculiar to Riker, but in this episode we're establishing that no, that oh Picard says yeah. here that that's standard. yeah. It, it's one of them. I think I think this, it's very difficult that you, you you first officer that you can't overrule them. Yeah, it is a weird one. Maybe it's just one of them that Riker was the first one to do it, but it just caught on after that. Like, and Starfleet thought, oh, that's a bloody good idea. Yeah, Riker's got the right idea here. Let's promote him. I don't yeah. want the promotion. Never mind. Um, yeah, let's look at how many times Kirk got into trouble being down <laughs> yeah. every week with his command staff. Yeah, his whole command staff. But it's all right. All, it was always just the red shirts who died. Yeah, so back in the past then, you've got the bit where he brings an anvil and Data's got to pretend that it's heavy. <laughs> he just yeah, sort of it's, carries it's, it. Yeah, he no problem and then realises what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, I've overexerted myself and all this stuff. <laughs> and then you get Mark Twain, or Samuel Clemens, as he is referring to himself in the episode. And he seems to be holding, like, almost like a sort of a seminar thing, really, like a function, basically, where... He's there, and Guinan seems to be heavily involved in this literary and science scene Yeah. In the, at this point in time. And obviously she talks to Data, and Mac Twain overhears it. So that's setting up a bit of a cliffhanger, and then the actual sort of to-be-continued cliffhanger. Well, well you, have how, you have how Data wants to meet Guinan, and he goes, with Guinan, yeah. We know each other, and she goes, do we? He goes, yes, we're on a ship together. Yeah. And she goes, ship? What type of ship? And he goes, a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's cool, and it adds a lot to Guinan. Like, Picard says later, like, you know, I knew you... Oh, is it Data, in fact, who says, I knew you were long-lived, but I didn't realise you were here at this time, sort of thing. It's Picard, isn't it? Yeah. And it'd be... Yeah, it'd be interesting if somebody... They're doing all these autobiographies of Star Trek characters now. A Guinan one would be really interesting. I, I'd like to, like, if we talked about this before, with the autobiography of Picard, there's quite a bit where she's talked about. Yeah, yeah. And she sounds like she's had a really interesting life and it's something I'd like to see more of and learn more of. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get a bit in Picard because she's... They, they had that thing where Patrick Stewart went on that TV show and invited Whoopi Goldberg, so it looks like yeah. we're, we're going to get more of Guinan, but whether whether we'll ever get the answers as to exactly what kind of life she's lived, how she relates to Q and all the rest of it, yeah. I don't know. Um, so 
the actual then cliffhanger of the episode is Picard's been beamed down as well. They see that the aliens are taking the energy, basically, and they jump through the portal after them. Or rather, they sort of walk quite slowly through the portal. And this, if I had, like, one fault, really, with this two-parter, it's that that actual cliffhanger at the end of episode one is pretty lame. It's just... It just sort of stops, you know, it's not... Yeah, which is why I I think this was actually written all as one. I do. And probably, probably more accurately, a two-parter that should have been mid-season than the yeah. season finale. Because that's the thing, it's it's one of the better two-parters in how well it holds together, but yeah. it doesn't have that... Suspense moment. What you're waiting for for the next one? Yeah, like you're not going to spend six months waiting for the next season, going, "Oh, I wonder what happened when they walked through that portal really slowly." It's yeah. just it, it. You know, it's not best of both worlds. It's not redemption. It's not descent. Though, in those cases, for the most part, the the second part was a a bit of a letdown. You know. And, particularly like we talked about it when we talked about Best of Both Worlds, because the first part was so good that the second part was it, always going to struggle. Was very, yeah, it was but, very hard to match up to. But with this one, it's nice and consistent. So picking up in part two then, we get Matt Twain still running around talking about time well, travel. Well, we start with uh, like the crew all in the hospital, don't we? No, that's a, that's a little bit. That's after the, the credits. There's an opening... There's an opening teaser where it's Mark Twain and he's talking to, like, a reporter. And oh. he, he's saying, I want to gather some evidence so I can expose data. And Yeah, that, with what, what we know happens in this episode with Mark Twain, hmm. don't you think this episode should have been maybe set a few years earlier than what it is, which should have been very easy to change the date and go, like... I'm not sure when this is, 1890 or something. Yeah, so what, uh, when he wrote... If they made it 1885, it would have made a lot more sense because he wrote a a Connecticut cowboy in King Arthur's Court in 89. Yeah. It would have made more sense. And because they reference it in this scene, like um, when the reporter's listening to all the stuff about the aliens, he says, oh, so will this be a sequel to... Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would have. It would have done. Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, it'd have made a lot more sense that. Oh, so that's why you wrote, wrote a Connecticut cowboy in. <laughs> yeah. No, that would have made more sense. And then, as you say, this is where we get the the away team, and it, you get the impression some time must have passed because they've all managed to get disguises and. Yeah. Well, normally if they go on an away mission, the costume up on the ship first before they go. True. If after. But they didn't do that because they went through the portal. Data had to probably cheat quite heavily at poker <laughs> to get some currency. So where did they get the money from? Ah, well, you've got Riker, haven't you? And as we know, he's the he's the master at poker. So maybe <laughs> maybe he's managed to get it. But yeah, they're, they're very well dressed. And, yeah. um, you know, Beverly somehow seems to be working as a nurse unless she's just blagging it like she's walking in and picking up stuff well, and pretending well, to be she fair, there. Uh, Riker's work walking around in a police yeah. uniform and blagging being a copper <laughs> yeah fair enough I suppose he can usher away any kind of suspicion <laughs> or anything and um, 
this you find out sort of the they basically come back to this time because there's that much cholera about that they can yeah. kill indiscriminately and they can take people that. and it's not and it's not affecting history and it's not and the people are being missed. Yeah, now this to me it feels very much like the sort of story Doctor Who might do. You know, I could easily see the Doctor and the companions walking round in this sort of time period and going, "Oh, you know, these these bodies don't look to have died of cholera." And I'm not I'm not saying that in a in a disparaging way. I think it's just yeah one of them stories that you could imagine working in but, a different. But format. from what you see, they seem to be specifically targeting cholera victims who it's are about true. to die. Yeah, they do. So, I mean, there is an implication, maybe, that the aliens are not sort of out and out evil. It's just they need they need it to survive. Yeah, and but it's like, it's, so how long has this been going on in the evolution that they've been travelling through time to eat? It's it's a very strange premise that they need to go back to the 1890s. Yeah, it is. And it's, and it's a weird, like, why... I know they say, well, they're picking the 1890s because of... Uh, because of the cholera as a cover, but why didn't they just pick like prehistoric Earth where they could have just taken loads but, of cavemen and nobody had But why even? Why does it even have to be Earth? Because we've got a species here that appears to exist in a different dimension, mm. slightly phased from ours. So why would they even evolve? Yeah, that's that the, the fair that point. That humans. Uh, life essence. Yeah, it's not sort of a natural evolution that for sustenance you require. Yeah. Like a... it's obviously it's obviously just part of the story. You may yeah. just think fine, but if you actually look at it, it's like, well, why do they need to do yeah, this? It, it, like I say, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You're not going to naturally evolve to need a species from another dimension on a different planet yeah. as your food source because that's going to lead to your species dying out pretty quickly. Yeah, before you invent time travel. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, oh, well, you're not going to believe this, lads. We're going to have to invent time travel so we can only eat these humans. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's good news and the bad news. There's lots of them, but they're on yeah. another planet in a different time. Yeah. So, but it's all right, lads, because I've got this idea for it's... a time portal that will carry us across the universe as well in the blink of an eye. There we go. Yeah, easy peasy. Not a problem. <laughs> He's on, like, Alien Dragon's Den, like, you know, I'm gonna... You need to invest in my time machine, otherwise we're all gonna starve. But anyway, so Picard is... Uh, they've managed to rent this enormous, great, big... Almost apartment. Like, an I apartment, yeah, yeah. And they're pretending to be rehearsing a midsummer night's dream. Which, yeah, yeah, gives Patrick Stewart a chance to give us a bit of his Shakespeare and everything, so... Yeah, it does seem to do that. Probably once a season. Yeah, there or thereabouts, yeah. They're like, they're like, I think I think that they're just saying, I think they were really pleased to get Patrick Stewart as an actor for Star Trek, because oh, he yeah. is like Royal Shakespeare, and I think just every now and again... Let's actually show that this isn't just any Tom DeCari. He is a real actor. Oh, yeah. And he clearly is. No, no offence to all the others. They're all real actors. But I mean, that he does Shakespeare. No, exactly, and yeah. And theatre. And... That's it. And he's clearly enjoying himself with these scenes and everything. And in fact, a lot of the episode is just played, not for laughs necessarily, but for fun. It's it's good yeah, fun. Yeah, it like... looks like they've enjoyed making the episodes. It does. 
Yeah, like you've got like Matt Twain snooping around in Data's room, and uh, there's the bit like we find out it's Jack London. So there's an, another author for you who went on. He wrote yeah. Call of the Wild. Yeah, he went on to write Call Call of the Wild and White Fang. Yeah, so that obviously he does go to Alaska because he sets a lot of stories around that. Yep. And then he's in the wardrobe, he's twain, and you get the bit where he says, oh, well, I hope he hasn't taken it because if you hold it too long, it can have, and he drops it while he's talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it is, it's played with a lightness of touch, which is good fun. And he's still got this thing, I'm going to stop you and all of this business. <laughs> and... It's it's weird this episode because there's not a lot really happens in the first half of it, but it move it ticks along at a right it pace. It's just it's, good fun, uh, you know. It, it, it's good fun and it, it's it's enjoyable watching, even though there's not yeah. loads of action and yeah, like you get the away team spend a long time just in, investigating stuff, but it's a good fun scene. Like you get the the cops. Um, they turn up because Riker's he's obviously pretending to be coming like hang on well who are you and you know I'm going to take you all in and bit ash that they they take the cane off Geordie who's taking his visor off so effectively they're taking his a blind a stick off cane. a blind man <laughs> yeah which is a bit ash and um, you know Riker whacks the cop and he, he does his open palm strike that seems to be like Riker's signature <laughs> That's his version of, like, Kirk Fu, isn't it? Like, <laughs> You'll never beat Kirk Fu. Oh, you'll never beat Kirk Fu. But I, I wonder if that was a thing in the 90s, like, you could get away with showing an open palm punch, but not a, a punch punch, I don't know. On but, TV and Watersheds. And, yeah, because yeah, Worf, Worf seems to do it as well when he punches yeah, people. Yeah, because a lot of it was... A lot of them are used, aren't they? And yeah. PG. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, they they meet up with Data, they escape and everything. Then you get the scene where they make the landlady read the play. <laughs> this is a great bit where they all just start clapping. Like I think we've heard enough. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, thank you. You've clapped me. I don't. I don't want your rent yet. Yeah, yeah. She falls for the Picard charm, doesn't she? Yeah. And uh, yeah, Picard meets Gainan and the. That sequence is done so well. Like it shows how great the acting is because the looks sort of they give each other just speak so much about the relationship between them, even though we're never really sure what it is. Yeah. And you know it, and it's all done practically without any dialogue. You know, there's just a little bit where she says, "Oh, do you know me? Do I know you?" And yeah. So yeah, it's sort of I know you very well, and you will know me. <laughs> yeah, the tables will be turned. You'll know more about me, sort of thing. And yeah, so they they come up with a plan, which is we're gonna basically destroy the cavern in the future, and that'll sort everything out. But then Mac Twain finds them. The aliens turn up. Data's head gets blown off, and Picard stays with Guinan, but everyone else goes yeah, Guinan back through gets again. Date. Yeah. And then you get some really good fun scenes with Mark Twain on the Enterprise in the future. And there's a bit where, like, you know, Riker says, well, you know, including the disappearance of one of the the greatest novelists, and he looks right pleased with himself. Yeah. <laughs> and shout out to the actor, actually. So that's um, 
Jerry Harding, who I think most famously played Deep Throat in the X-Files. Ah, right. Really good actor. And I think he's popped up in Star Trek a few other times, at least. He was... Yeah. Um, like, his makeup is really good in this episode. It is, yeah. It, it does have more than a striking resemblance to photo oh, or pictures of Mark Twain. Absolutely, yeah. And I think he was in... That first season episode where they kidnap all the children off the Enterprise. So it went, oh, I know went, what you mean. When the yeah. bell breaks. Yeah, so I think he was one of geezers in that, yeah. But yeah, he, does, he plays a really good part here. It's another one where you can tell he's he's having fun with it. Yeah, at least they've got him in a good episode because that was actually that quite was not painful. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, uh, like at some point we will look at all the episodes and... They are some painful ones. Oh, yeah, we're going to cover the bad ones as well. But, you know, when you've got 700 odd to choose from, we might as well do, you know, steer steer away from the bad ones as long as we can do. <laughs> the bad, covering a bad one can be fun sometimes. That's very true, yeah. We will, we definitely will do. But, um, yeah, so there's some great stuff with Mark Twain on the air, like when he first sees Worf, and he's just moaning about the fact that he can't get a cigar. Yeah, and he's going, oh... I don't know. I don't know if it's worth giving up all these comforts. Yeah, and Troy says we can replicate you a cigar. Now that's quite a cool idea. Presumably that's where Rios is getting his from in Picard and everything. Well, yeah, I assume so. I mean, I'm, I'd like to think they can replicate you a cigar that tastes the same as a cigar and gives you the same sensation, but with all the bad stuff cut out. Well, they have synthol, don't they? So yeah, exactly. So synthabacca or something. Yeah, yeah. Like synthol gets you drunk, but you can be sober straight away. Yeah, and so, you don't have a hangover. So it it gives you a nicky rush, but doesn't <laughs> doesn't become addictive or something. Yeah. Mm, interesting. No tar or anything. Um, so yeah, but then you know, Troy says, "Well, we've eliminated poverty and cruelty, and oh, maybe it's worth giving up cigars then." <laughs> yeah. And interspersed sort of with all of this, we've got the stuff with Picard and Guinan, and he says again, like, you know, we, it's far beyond friendship, our relationship, and I think Guinan herself has said that in a previous yeah. episode, like, she says, it's beyond friendship, it's beyond family, and, yeah, we, we never find out, but maybe we no, will in season two of Picard. It's like I say, it'd be, re- it'd be nice if we could explore that at some point. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're going to do it, Season two of Picard's when you're going to have to do it because I, I don't think you'll get another chance. I think that once the Picard show finishes, that's going to close the book on Jean-Luc Picard as a character. You know, I can't yeah, see. Yeah, and I, like, did they say three seasons to look at Maybe, Picard? Yeah, so. And I don't think we'll have Patrick Stewart come back again after that. No, I think... I think, I think this, is, this is his swan song. Definitely. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, if he actually... I know it's gruesome, but if he actually got died at the end of Picard somehow... What, the character again? Yeah, the character. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'd have if, to... If, if they closed the book and let him have a really cool, really powerful death scene. Yeah, it'd be a lot of characters, a lot of actors still like doing really oh, good... Oh, they, they do, yeah, and a lot of them like to do it as a way of underlining it and saying, yeah, I'm not coming back. But then that doesn't always work. Stas Brent Spiner, he finally got killed off and um, they still managed to get him back. So there we go. Um, so while this is going on, we've got Geordie's fixing up data and 
Picard finds the injured alien and he sort of talks about an alternative very briefly. Like he says, you know, there may be another way of making sure you get your sustenance and yeah. that, that's never followed up on. <laughs> they basically yeah. blow them up. But, um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just blow you up instead. <laughs> yeah, so that... It, yeah, I wonder why they, they even... I wonder if there was a, an older draft of the script where there was more to that. Um, I don't know, but yeah, certainly... it's a very strange one. Certainly we don't come back to it here. It's just sort of put out there. But this creates the dilemma of the weapons are going to make it worse, basically. So it creates a bit of tension there because, you know, Riker doesn't know this yet, but Picard does, and... Again, I think this is a really clever bit of writing, how Picard puts it in Data's head, effectively. You know, they say he sort of scratches out like a binary thing or something. Yeah, well, yeah, it says the binary code he put in, which is ones and zeros. Ones and zeros, yeah. But then Data says, you know... But like, I was trying to work out how he'd do this with just this metal rod he's found on the floor. Yeah, I mean, I suppose he's scratching it into it. Yeah, uh, but, hey, but how long like, a string well, of ones and zeros would well, you need? The, the, for the the stream would be absolutely massive because it's um, to do one character is eight num is eight ones or zeros, literally a string of eight. Right. So so and, and, has, and it's really complicated to do. And he has about four or five words, don't he? That he, he yeah. says, you know, aliens. Stop. Yeah. Laser it, or whatever like, it is. I was thinking, wouldn't Morse code have been a better? Yeah, because that's three or four at most, isn't it? Yeah. Dots and uh, dashes. Like, so. like um, it's really difficult to actually do to convert these things in binary to do characters and stuff. It's yeah. It's a shame that it won um, something as simple as following Commander Riker's idea against. So then he could have just done the number three again. And that yeah. uh, that had to put it in, but no, he should have done three with a cross through it. So don't go with Riker's plan this time. <laughs> but anyway, he somehow managed. I suppose he could have been in that cave a long time to scratch all this stuff in. Who knows? Yeah, um, but it just seems to actually send a message in binary is really a bit. I I can't imagine how you'd know that off top. Be able to do that off your top. No, it's... Yeah, it's... Do you know what would have been easier? If he'd have said, Guinan, you tell Riker when the time's right. Like, you're not not allowed to... Because she says, like, you know, time's got to play its own way. But if he said to Guinan, look, I'm I'm scratching this... Why don't you wait till we get back from the mission? Yeah, because I'm going (laughs) to scratch it... And then tell Riker this... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm going to scratch it into this head anyway. So you're going to... Basically, I'm going to be here for hours now. So if you want to save me a little bit of time, yeah, then you can go tell him. But anyway, and he manages to jam the filing in so that the iron filing's the only thing that's stopping a 500-year-old bit of technology from working, which yeah. is pretty good. I mean, my car struggles to start when it's switched off for more than a day, but... There's... Well, we. I'm. I'm assuming that data is made from exotic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Data's hardware materials and hardware stuff. Definitely hard hardwareing stuff. Data, yeah. And yeah. So then we get to the thing. Well, only one person can go back. So obviously, it's got to be Mark Twain, so that he can go back and take his place in history. 
he's going to bring Picard back and you get that sort of nice handover scene between them. Yeah, and it makes sense. Like, Riker was going to go back in yeah. and Mark Twain had to suggest this and it's like, what, so you're going to lift him out of history? Yeah, were well, you just going to keep him? him back? Like, yeah, like when back in Tomorrow Is Yesterday, like Spock did a check and said, well, we can't keep this guy because his grandson does something. Yeah. So, well, Mark Twain has quite a significant impact, you know, on on literature, uh, you know. On, on literature and three separate inventions he's credited with. And he, he was a close associate of Tesla's after these events. And they made that claymation film in the 80s that was all about Mark Twain. So, you know, that wouldn't have existed. So, yeah, he's a little bit more important than yeah. some random person. But there we go. So maybe yeah. we were planning a slingshot round the sun after Ah, uh, maybe to drop, drop him off, exactly, yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing about this episode, is it's one of those time travel stories where the time in the past is running at the same speed as the time in the future. Yeah. Which is an odd one. It, it just... That doesn't make any sense it's like well if you go back you could go back to before it's one of them that you've just got to accept yeah they're yeah. both running at the same time uh, so yeah Picard gets back just in time and he sees Guinan again uh, wordless scene no dialogue um, and then you get the final thing is Twain leaving the watch behind along with Data's head so it yeah. kind of goes full circle Really well put together episode. Real, some really clever uses of time travel and like. And you know, the let's pr- remember, all of this happened. No one's forgotten anything. Yeah, I was watching it thinking they must wipe Mark Twain's memory, but they didn't. Uh, no, which I- is why I think. Which is like I say, if this was set a couple of years earlier, it'd have been perfect because he wrote a time travel story. Oh, exactly, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Instead, of, instead of writing his time travel story beforehand. Yeah, because it's not like the witnessing a historical event that meant they had to set it in that exact year, is there? It could no. have been a few years before and not yeah. affected the story one bit, but yeah, I think but it's... It'd, been a lot, it'd made a lot more sense us knowing Mark Twain. I, I know they wanted to put the cultural reference in there that he wrote it, but... Yeah. But yeah, you could have had him sort of sitting down at the end going, ah, you know, something. Well, you could have had him uh, starting writing and yes, starting writing it. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, I mean, it's it's great. I do think it's a really good fun episode. I it think is, it holds it up really well. Fun. There's it, a few there's a few plot holes which we've mentioned. Yeah, and it's but it's, I think we can forgive the few plot holes because yeah. it's a fun episode. And it, it's odd. As a season finale slash season opener. Yeah. But it's it's a good episode, so, yeah. you know, we'll let them off with that. Yeah, it works a lot better re-watching it now on Netflix where oh, it just goes yeah, straight that, through and watch Back to back, definitely, yeah. The, this one, do, you could watch it as a movie, and it yeah. doesn't have that thing of, oh, the second part's not as good. Which a lot and it, of... and it feels like sometimes they feel disjointed, and, do, yeah. which we talked about before, where they look like two different people have written the uh, well, a lot of the time, two different people did write the two yeah, different halves. Different people, which doesn't make a lot of sense. It's never made sense to me that no, it's a strange way of doing it, but that's that was kind of how they did it. It was 
Yeah. It, you'd write your season finale and then worry how you were going to get out of it a couple of months later, but <laughs> this one doesn't feel like that, partially no, because, as we said, the, the cliffhanger's not that great, so there's not a lot to get out of. It's The cliffhanger's just, right, we're moving on to the next bit of the story. Yeah, which is why this is, it feels like it should be mid, a mid-season yeah, episode. It, it would have worked better uh, as that, but you know, we've we've yeah, had like if I if I remember rightly, like I do remember watching this on TV first mm. first time around in the UK, and there was no sort of suspense of oh, I, I wanted to see how the story ended. Yeah, but, but there was no massive excitement. I mean, it's, it's one of them that I can imagine when season six started. You'd have to you'd sort of have to go on and well, what happened at the end of last season. Whereas with Best of Both Worlds, it was like, I want to see it now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's still really good fun episode, though. Yeah, I think a lot of it is that by this time, Next Generation was well established. It wasn't getting cancelled. It had run as long as they wanted it to run. Yeah. Like, if they wanted to go past Season 7... They could have done quite easily, but it's only because they had other shows coming up. They had other shows, and they wanted the next-gen cast for the movies. And the only sort of problem with these shows going on is that they used to sign you up for six seasons with an option on the seven. But then if your show's a hit and they want an eighth season, all of a sudden your agents can get involved and you can start being a lot more expensive. So that's why a lot of shows... Like used to like to wrap up after seven because it just yeah. got too. Yeah, you had to be like <clears throat> mega popular with huge viewing figures yeah. to get to just to go further to justify the wages that people yeah. suddenly wanted. And you know, popular as Next Gen was, it wasn't exactly like Friends or something like that. Yeah, where... like was Friends by for the last season they were on a million dollars each in episodes something like that yeah I mean I know they they still get something like 20 odd million a year from repeats of it like like a million dollars per episode I don't know why the way it's like now for mega shows but I imagine that doesn't sound a lot now but at the time for Friends it was like how bloody much that's ridiculous it, it was insane for Friends I mean when you look at these Next-gen episodes, these were budgeted at about a million per episode. Yeah. So that's everything. And then you've got Friends, and you've got $6 million just on your core cast. Yeah. Although I before you started. Quite, I imagine Friends, after you've paid the actual wages, being a relatively cheap show to produce... Oh, yeah, so it were mainly standing sets and they mainly did it in front of a live audience and, yeah, but... But, yes, the in terms of the actors on Next Gen, they were not on that sort of money. No. Um, I imagine Patrick Stewart is now, but, you know, that's another, uh, yeah. that's another question. But So that brings us to the end of um, Times... Yeah, we're going to say Times Square Time, then. No, Times Arrow. Times Arrow. What we're going to be doing going forward, uh, you'll be listening to this the week that Lower Decks is due to air. That'll be on in a couple of days. What we're going to do while Lower Decks is airing, we're going to carry on looking at the Temporal Cold War from Enterprise. We've got about nine episodes of that left to cover. So the first half of our episodes are going to be Temporal Cold War, as we have been doing. And then you're going to get a very loud 
spoiler warning, and then we're going to go into covering lower decks because we're yeah. we're sensitive of the fact that internationally we discussed not that if, earlier in the show. Not everyone's able to watch it. Yeah, so you you can safely start listening until we tell you otherwise about halfway through the episode, and then we'll cover lower decks. Yeah. Yeah, we might put a big klaxon in now. Yeah, something. I've got, I've got maybe, a... uh, maybe the red alert would be good. Oh, this one. Yeah. Yeah, that one. We'll <laughs> go with that then. So that's what we'll be doing from next week. And we'll also be looking forward to Discovery. So we got, for the first time since Enterprise finished, we've got 20-odd weeks of Star Trek on the air. Yeah. Which is pretty exciting. So yeah. if we you... haven't got to two shows a week, Two sh- concurrent shows. No, not yet, yet. But... but you never know, we might get there. Um, yeah, it could do. So if you want to get in touch with us then, we're at RetrekPod um, on Twitter. Email us at RetrekPod at gmail.com or come and join us on the Facebook group, search for Retrek, and we'll have a chat with you on there. Let us know what you think about Lower Decks once it starts airing. We'll be interested to see with it yeah, in the first like, I hope, pe- I hope people are able... Like, I know where to set up that set up to be able to see it but i hope other people are able to i hope everyone manages to to access it one way or another so we'll see you next time when we're talking about that um thanks for trekking with us this time we'll see you next time on the retrek thank you bye-bye